Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. First bite from Pride of Detroit. Uh, we're in, no Jeremy today. He's still down to the Senior Bowl. He's covering and apparently photobombing everyone uh, with his glorious mustache. So we'll have a recap when he gets back from Mobile, Alabama. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host of the Pride of Detroit POD cast. And uh, as always, Ryan Matthews, the rock god. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Yeah, I think at this point, Jeremy has to be trying to photobomb people. He like is. he's like in front of everyone with how often, but, but uh, let, let's get to the good stuff, right? Chris. Yeah. I mean, we have a really special guest today yes. for our podcast. No time to wait. I'm going to bring him in. Uh, Bucky Brooks, NFL.com long time, long time writer. Love, love everything he does during the draft. We were very fortunate to have Bucky on. Uh, he's going to be calling the East West shrine game on the shrine bowl on Thursday. And he just actually put out his first mock draft of the year. So I'm really excited to talk. Hello, Bucky. Welcome to the show. Yo, what's going on, guys? How you doing? We're doing well. Uh, just surviving the winds, getting over cold, and, uh, you know, excited that it's draft season. It's where the Lions seem to uh, always be around, talking draft a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's one of those things. I mean, this is the time of year. Like, uh, hope springs eternal, particularly with the Cincinnati Bengals going. I think there's a pathway for everybody to go to the Super Bowl if they can go from 2-14 and 14 to being in the title game. Absolutely. And this is your busy season too. Uh, we just kind of mentioned it, but you just put out your first mock draft. I know you were doing a lot of stuff with the collegiate, the NFLPA collegiate bowl, and now you're working on the East East West shrine bowl. I know that the senior bowl takes up a lot of, uh, a lot of oxygen these days, but those games are still pretty, pretty important getting, uh, getting to see some of these guys, you know, playing their last few snaps in college, technically in a college game before heading on to the draft. Yeah, no, like these things are, um, important evaluation tools. When you think about the all-star games and where it kind of fits in the evaluation puzzle, it's the last opportunity to see some of these guys play, but more importantly, it's a chance to see them play against top competition. Uh, you get a chance to see small school guys uh, play against big school guys for the first time and how they fare can ultimately determine how you feel about them when it comes to putting that final grade on their draft card. Yeah, we'll talk about some of those guys in a minute, but I know Ryan wanted to jump in. We wanted to first lead off by discussing, you know, first mock draft of the year and everything and kind of your evaluation of the big board as it stands as we're waiting for the senior bowl as well. Uh, uh, look, I, th I think it's um, an interesting class. I think it's a class that may be devoid of elite quarterback talent, but there's some good players in certain marquee positions. I think it's a class where you can see a lot of, Offensive tackles, uh, a lot of pass um, catchers. Uh, there are a handful of pass rushers in this deal, but it, it's different than most classes where you want like the elite quarterbacks. 
the elite quarterbacks are not necessarily in this class, but it doesn't mean it's not a good class. Yeah, and, and I think that point, Bucky, like you just brought up, two of the positions that you have uh, the Lions selecting in, in your first mock draft that's over available on NFL.com, you know, the, the Lions going with Aiden Hutchinson at number two, um, you know, deciding to go with the kind of the homegrown Michigan product instead of Kayvon Thibodeau. And, and then with that second pick in the, uh, in the first round, the, the Rams pick going, uh, you know, another Big Ten player uh, who had quite a breakout season in David Bell. So, I mean, tell, let's, let's start with the pass rusher, though. I mean, you know, going Hutchinson instead of Thibodeau, what, what do you see? I mean, once you get to the top of the class, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult to parse through the, 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 the nuances and the differences between guys because it's so neck and neck. But, like, what kind of separates Hutchinson from Thibodeau being, being that picket, too? Uh, Hutchinson is a more consistent player. Um, Hutchinson is everything that you want and a pass rusher in terms of his athleticism, his technical skills, his nonstop motor, and ultimately his competitiveness. When you watch him play and you watch him play his last season at Michigan, uh, he dominated the game. He was someone that you had to account for. He showed up on tape repeatedly. Um, he didn't have these long lags in his play. And there's some people that will point out the Georgia game, but I think it's important when you go back and you watch that game, look at how Georgia attacked him. Uh, they threw the ball quickly. They made sure they paid attention to him. Uh, they threw away from him. They ran away from him and those things. Yes, there's a snap or two where a guy kind of buries him to the ground. That tends to happen in football. But I think people have kind of overblown uh, some of the things that took place in that game. This dude's a dominant player. I think for Kayvon Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau is the ultimate flasher, meaning his his highs really stand out. But he has these long uh, stretches where he has these droughts. And play, and I just think that if you're going to go for a pass rusher, to me, consistency matters. And I would rather have the guy that's going to give me the steady Eddie production than the guy that kind of explodes but then disappears for long stretches at a time. We'd probably say Aiden Hutchins is probably more pro ready at this point. Kind of like we had this debate about you know Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater last year, where I think Slater was the people would say he's the more pro ready uh, offensive lineman, but Panay Sewell probably had, you know, a lot more, a lot more growth to be had. Uh, I mean, look, but I think potential, um, certainly plays a part in it, but I think when you're grading players, like you kind of have to grade them for the here and now, uh, the way the, uh, clock operates now in the league with coaches getting hired and fired in two and three years, um, you don't really have a lot of time to wait on guys. And so for me, if you're having me decide between, a guy that is kind of consistent with his effort, his motor, uh, the production is pretty steady, Eddie. I'm more likely to lean on that guy than to kind of wait on the guy that might have more potential because Kayvon Thibodeau certainly is a um, high potential playmaker. But I think when you, you kind of dig into the tape, man, there's some things with effort and consistency that kind of trouble you. And I think it troubles a lot of teams. Uh, I want to go on to, so the Lions, obviously two picks this year. And with, uh, we've talked a lot of wide receivers on our streams. I know that, you know, me with the USC roots, everyone keeps asking me about what I think on Drake London, but at 32, you had the Lions taking David Bell, the junior out of uh, Purdue. And I don't think we've, we've really talked a lot about the players coming out of Purdue. I know Karloftis is kind of seen as, you know, one, another one of those edge rushers probably looking at a day one grade, but what can you tell me about David Bell? Because I don't think we've really had much of a chance to really talk to him and wide receiver is definitely a need for the Detroit lions at this point. Uh, David Bell is a uh, classic number one receiver, 
uh, number one receivers should be able to command and defeat double coverage. Um, they should have enough talent where uh, defenses are aware of them. Uh, they make sure they pay attention to their whereabouts. And despite brackets and double teams, they still find a way to be productive. That separates the good from the greats at the position. I think in Bill, you go back and track his history in the Big Ten, he is dominated. He's dominated consistently for the last two seasons. Uh, you look at the way that he catches the ball. He's a natural hands catcher. Um, he has some size and playmaking ability. He plays strong. And I think the one thing that we are seeing in the playoffs um, that will impact the way scouts grade wide receivers, their play strength, their ability to ward off defenders, their ability to separate uh, using physicality to create space, their ability to break tackles and turn short gains into big gains. Uh, that's huge. And I think when you look at David Bell, he can do all those things. Yeah, and Bucky, and just to wrap up uh, and put a bow on our talk about your first mock draft, uh, only two quarterbacks in your first uh, in your first round with uh, Kenny Pickett and Matt Matt Corral. Um, do you view this just being like you said, kind of kind of light on quarterback talent? Do you think that there's, you know, because it seems like it's kind of all over the place in terms of uh, scouts and and their mock drafts right now. Some have as much as five quarterbacks in the first round, and and some just have have a you know a couple like yourself. Uh, I think what happens is um, when you get to the 20s, like in most NFL drafts, there are about 18 to 22 players that are true first-round picks. Uh, the rest of those guys that may go in the 20s are what we call those fringe second-round picks. And depending upon uh, fit and scheme, uh, some team need, those guys may go into the first round. Sometimes they may fall out. I think when you look at the quarterback class, there are only two guys that you – uh, can pretty confidently say are going to be bona fide locks to be first-round picks. That would be Kenny Pickett. That would be Matt Corral. Uh, the other guy who has a chance, um, I would say Malik Willis. And the Malik, the Malik Willis uh, evaluation is going to be interesting because there is something to grading and evaluating quarterbacks based on tools, meaning their physical arm talent. I don't know if there's a guy who has more talent than Malik Willis in terms of his arm strength, his athleticism, his size, and the way he moves around. Uh, he certainly has a lot of talent, but he's unrefined. And so if you get caught up in um, looking and chasing the guy who is toolsy, he certainly could be a guy that benefits from that. So I would say keeping on him. The other guys I don't necessarily see as bona fide first-round picks. They're good players, but I don't know if they're great players and great prospects. It's funny because I know we've got – we've been watching a lot of chatter coming out of the Senior Bowl, and I know that Malik Willis is kind of – I think he impressed, you know, Lions quarterback Mark Brunel during a uh, – during a drill and everything, do you think he, he, you could see his stock kind of rising as we see what he is, or is he just going to remain that kind of unrefined guy in your view? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is, you know, like everyone is going to look back at the Josh Allen uh, evolution, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, I would say are the most impactful in recent years in terms of the evolution, Patrick Mahomes too. Like those guys had great tools, but you didn't know what to do with them. You didn't know how they would translate because we hadn't necessarily seen those guys have success. When that, both of those guys have had success. Uh, uh, Lamar Jackson has won the MVP. Josh Allen has played at MVP level. And we've seen Patrick Mahomes have a ton of success. More guys are being uh, more imaginative when it comes to quarterback. With Malik Willis, you have a guy who has outstanding talent, big arm, outstanding runner. And so depending upon the creativity of the offensive staff, the offensive coordinator, you may want to take that in and build an offense around those tools. It's just a matter of it's all a matter of the offensive coordinator and what the offensive coordinator can envision doing with a playmaker like that, because it's not going to be a perfect paint by numbers quarterback when you take Malik Willis, but are you willing to live with some of the 
maybe deficiencies that he may has a, have as a passer to take advantage of the athleticism that he brings to the position. We're live with Bucky Brooks right now, live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the East West Shrine Bowl with Bucky. He's going to be on the call for that game. And also about the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl that happened over the weekend. It's a chance. I, I know we're all in our draft coverage here for pride of Detroit, very interested in the top of the draft, but Lions have seven rounds to go through. And I think there's some names probably for day two and three that might be playing in these games. I'd like to talk to Bucky about and just get his general view about some of the deeper parts of the draft. Uh, We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. And we're back in the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We are with Bucky Brooks, NFL.com, Move the Sticks podcast. Uh, does a lot of work all over the place. Very happy to have Bucky here. One of the places you're going to have him is the East West Shrine Bowl or Shrine Game that has been going on for many, many years. Uh, it's one of the great traditions in this kind of all-star college season that has been you know, capped off now with the Senior Bowl. So we have the Collegiate Bowl that happened last week. Shrine game on Thursday. We'll have the senior bowl over the weekend. Um, Bucky, I wanted to start with the collegiate bowl. If I could, I know you were involved with, uh, you know, watching a lot of that deeply. Was it, was there any kind of takeaways or anyone who really stood out from you in that game right now? Well, no, look, I, th- I think when you look at it and you look at these games, um, a lot of the marquee talent right now still tends to head to the senior bowl. I think when you're looking at the NFL uh, PA Collegiate Bowl, you're looking at uh, the East West Shrine Bowl, you're going to see a lot of guys that are more uh, day three type prospects. That said, those guys are uh, really valuable. Um, when you think about the guys that stood out, Sam Williams from Ole Miss, who recently got a senior bowl invite, if I'm not mistaken, he was a guy to sit out as a pass rusher. Everyone talked about him, the defense, the coaches, uh, Marvin Lewis in particular, talked about his ability to come off the edge. They feel like he kind of has the it factor to be able to play in a 3-4 scheme and give a lot of production. James Houston is another guy from Jackson State who not only is at the, was at the Collegiate Bowl, but he's at the East West Shrine. He plays, um, you know, kind of off the edge for Jackson State. He's a guy that's had like a ton of production. I want to say he had 12 and a half sacks during the regular season. He continues to be a high-motor, explosive pass rusher. Um, he was originally a Florida signing transfer, and he's played a little bit of on the ball and off the ball. Linebacker, so it'd be interesting to see how the evaluation comes. But he gained a lot of interest, and then a quarterback, Akil Aquil Glass from Alabama A&M, got a lot of intrigue and interest because he has a big arm, big talent, big time playmaker. He played really well throughout the week. The final guy I would say is like keep an eye on Austin Allen, big tight end from Nebraska, um, huge six eight six nine. You don't really see that kind of size at tight end, but moves really really well. Coaches are really impressed with his ability to learn and kind of make big plays over the middle field. I'll let Ryan get to something, but real quick, I didn't realize guys played in multiple of these games. So, cause I know the collegiate bowl here is it, it's in Los Angeles, the shrine game shrine bowl, I believe is in Nevada and then the senior bowls over in mobile. So it's gotta be a pretty busy time of year. If guys are going to multiple of these uh, playing in multiple of these games. Yeah. So what happens is like, because they're on different weeks, like this is the first time that the league has put uh, the shrine game and the senior bowl on the same week. Uh, normally they kind of go back to back to back. Um, and so what happens is 
you've had a ton of maybe like either injuries or late pullouts or COVID situations where guys will kind of scout the other games and they will call up the guys that start and play well in those other games. So that's why Sam Williams would go from playing in the collegiate bowl to then playing in the senior bowl. Um, it's why a guy named James Houston can go from the collegiate bowl to then playing in the East West Shrine. And so it's an opportunity for some of these guys that once they get on the radar, they stay on the radar and there becomes a greater demand to see them on a bigger stage. Yeah. And so Bucky, to your original point that you, uh, that you let off the podcast with talking about, um, you know, these games are opportunities for these players to play against, you know, other, other talent, like better talent that they may have faced in, in their own conferences in college. Um, it, it seems like with the, with the senior bowl, there's so much emphasis on the practices. Um, is there, is there too much stock that gets put into those practices and not the game or vice versa? Like, do you, do you view like one, one piece of uh, this evaluating puzzle is more important than the other? Uh, I mean, look, most people place the weight on the practices because the practices allow you to see things that uh, are kind of the structure where you can see. So you see the one-on-ones, uh, you see nine-on-seven, uh, you get a chance to see seven-on-seven to see some of the competition in that way. The game is a little more sterile in terms of the rules kind of make it where you don't see blitz and their limited uh, coverage that you'll see. It's a limited offensive playbook that both teams operate. And so you can't necessarily see everything. So you do pay attention to the game, but the most important part is practice and seeing how, how guys handle these uh, practice battles. But more importantly, you're trying to track their improvement each day over the week. How do they look day one? How do they look day three? How do they perform in the game? Do they get better each week? Um, because it's a little nerve-wracking, because these guys are playing against top players and they're trying to learn maybe what I would call a, a NFL playbook, there's a lot of that process going on, and you're trying to figure out how guys act when they're uncomfortable. Now, I know you had mentioned um, – oh, I just had his name up uh, from from uh, Alabama A&M, uh, Akeel Glass. And I know one of the things we're seeing at the Senior Bowl this year was the HBCU Combine. Um kind of not it's it's related to the I know they they hold the seat the HBCU combine over there so is this is this kind of a uh I guess a herald to more HBCU talent we could probably see in the NFL or is it just more of an interest in HBCU talent that the NFL is taking lately I mean we've seen some great players like Tariq Cohen coming out of the draft in the last in the last few years and I'm just curious if that trend will continue well, the NFL was disappointed that you didn't have any HBCU alums drafted last season. And when you think about the history and the lineage from HBCUs to the National Football League, there was a time where um, all your black players came from HBCUs. And so when you see that dissipate, they obviously wanted to make sure that those guys were getting a fair shake when it came to the evaluation. So in creating the HBCU up combine that took place last week at the Senior Bowl, and having what is the HBCU Legacy Bowl, which is in the middle of February, um, they just want to make sure that those guys get more opportunities just to be evaluated and looked at. There have been a ton of players. You think about Darius Leonard, uh, Tariq Cohen, on and on and on and on, that you just want to make sure that those guys get a fair shake, that people can see them. So they're trying to create opportunities for those guys to have more visibility. Talking with Bucky Brooks, uh, we're going to get out of here pretty soon. I know he's a very busy man. I did want to lead with one last question and kind of circle back to the question we missed when talking about the mock draft. And I think it's something, especially for Lions fans, as they look at, you know, Hutchinson and Thibodeau and some of the other prospects at the top, because I know you had the Jaguars taking Evan Neal. 
And I know that's a big need for the Jaguars is offensive line, but I've always kind of been a little bearish on the idea of that Neil could jump these guys to go number one, but what do you see in Evan Neal? And like, what, what is, I guess, I guess my ask is like, what is the possibility of Evan Neal going one and like, what would really make him, I hate to say worthy of the number one pick. Cause I think all these guys are worthy in their own right. But like, what would convince a team to take Evan Neal over a, a Thibodeau or a Hutchinson? Uh, it depends on if you want to build around a quarterback or not. Um, I think when you're looking at this, Evan Neal or Ikem Ekwanu, like both of those guys are going to be in the conversation. And so if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is your franchise quarterback. He got beat up a little bit last year. The offense was pretty stagnant. Well, the one thing that you want to have is you want to make sure that you have protection around it. Um, and so normally for quarterbacks, it's always about the three Ps if you want to get a young quarterback playing well. It's protection playmakers and play caller and so you up the protection around them you surround them with more playmakers and if you have a great play caller the quarterback the young quarterback begins to thrive and so for the Jaguars not knowing who their coach is the one thing we do know is they need to they need to make sure they upgrade the protection around them with Cam Robinson being a potential free agent uh, with them wanting to get better on the offensive line offensive tackle is certainly going to be in play at the position. Thanks to Bucky Brooks joining us Bucky um uh, let the people know where you can find us. I know uh, we're going to be very excited to see more from the fighting Dan Campbells. And uh, I, I guess I should ask you too, if, if biting kneecaps fig- figures into your evaluation at all, either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I look, I, I will say this. And I think the, the lines are unique because one, uh, you kind of root for them because as a former player, they have a staff full of former players. And a lot of times in the league, like you don't surprisingly, you don't have a lot of former players that get coaching opportunities. And so the fact that he is, stockpiled his coaching staff with a lot of former players. To me, you want to see those guys succeed. I think the one thing that was apparent when you watch the Lions play is they played hard. And look, they lost a lot of one-score games. And if you're able to kind of get the teaching done where they kind of learn how to win, to go with the effort that they displayed as they begin to upgrade the talent around it, they have a chance. I'm not saying they can go to the show, but they have a chance to be a lot better next season. It's always on paper, but I think you're right in that because we're seeing the, you know, Aaron Glenn getting multiple interviews with multiple teams uh, just right out of the gate after one year with the Lions too. that. And I know Campbell's talked well about Deuce Staley about, you know, how much responsibility Deuce has been taking up too. So, all right, Bucky. Yeah, no, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, a big, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for those guys to get opportunities. I think what it is is a credit to how hard they play and the people around the league recognizing how they play. It's one thing to be a bad team. It's another thing to be a bad team, but that was very, very competitive. I think the Lions were competitive. Bucky Brooks, can you let, uh, if you want to, if you have anything to uh, let people know where to find you or. Look, man, it's pretty simple. You can always find me on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. Fair enough. That's Bucky Brooks. Uh, Move the sticks podcast, NFL.com. Get to see him, get to see him every now and then on the radio as well. So thank you very much, Bucky. I know you're busy, very busy, man, but thank you taking the time with us in Pride Detroit. Hey, no problem. You guys have a good one. Thank you, Bucky. Appreciate it. See ya.